Winter was here, but we are just getting started on our rewatch of Game of Thrones Season 6, Episode 9, The Battle of the Bastards. And now, here we are, your two favorite bastards. I'm Rob Sister, and here with Josh Wiggler. Josh, how are you? Oh, my God. My, my crippling fear of dogs is rearing its head again, is all I can say. After you this you have a crippling fear of dogs? I wouldn't say crippling fear of dogs, but I'm certainly a cat person over a dog person. Yeah. Mm, 100%. Yeah. With deep-rooted childhood reasons for why this is the case. But we don't need to get into them Yikes. Here. Yikes, indeed. We're opening Yikes up a indeed. whole can of worms here. We don't need to go there. We don't need to go there. I prefer, the I'll take worms. I'll take worms over uh, over dogs. Okay. All right. Well, we'll save all that for another day. That's not but. true. I, I like dogs. I like dogs. I, there's, there's a few There's a few dogs that i'm a big fan of personally but ramsey's dogs are especially deadly and dangerous well, and terrifying in fairness that he didn't feed them he mistreated them yeah they were starving he mistreated starving. the dogs so there's you no think on, a, on a good day they're good dogs yeah i i subscribe to the uh caesar milan that there are there are no bad dogs there are only bad dog owners i prefer the little caesar milan mm. you know i've never had little caesars before i don't think you're missing anything that's what I hear. Yeah. All right. A lot to talk through here today in a iconic episode of Game of Thrones Battle of the Bastards. Yes. And I think it's important to, to start out the discussion by uh, by checking like the expectations versus what it was like to, to rewatch this back, because all season long, as we have been picking apart season six, we've been commenting on. Maybe how surprised we've been at some of the letdowns along the way and maybe some of the smaller episodes that were uh, were not remembered uh, much at all or perhaps not even fondly in some cases were the surprising delights, at least for me, in some of the cases here as we were going through season six. And the traditional thinking is that the final two episodes of season six uh, are among the very best episodes of Game of Thrones, period, flat out, end of mm-hmm. statement. Um, how does that measure up on the rewatch? I will say Battle of the Bastards is still just a fantastic episode of television. This is really it's an amazing, amazing hour of TV. Yeah, I thought it held up. I I did not remember spending as much time in Marine. Uh, but it's good. Yeah. I mean, the, the Marine stuff is a, a fiery finish to like a dumpster fire storyline. They really they really deliver. Yeah. So uh, I certainly didn't remember when we go back and get uh, Theon and Yara also in Marine later on in this episode. The one time that we cut away from everything going on in the north once we arrive there. But I feel like it really holds up. Yeah, I think to to say that this is a top five episode of Game of Thrones is still a very valid statement. Uh, having having run back through the full series over the last year and a half or so now at this point, uh, I still think uh, and maybe now it's like re recency bias of uh, my memory fading of the stuff that we were rewatching earlier in the show versus where we are now in the rewatch. I still think if you were to tell me that Battle of the Bastards is one of your top five episodes, uh, that's not just hyperbolic. I think that that it is. Is a completely valid uh, opinion based on how good this episode is. Miguel Sapochnik, the director, really knocks it out of the park uh, and is responsible for the season finale, which is ah. a, an, an immense effort in its own right. Uh, so uh, really a top of the line guy, that man. 
Okay. All right. Let's get into it. And we start things off with Danny uh, getting a a real view of uh, what's going on in Marine since she's returned with catapults firing upon the Great Pyramids and a lot of destruction. I'm gone for 10 episodes and you set the whole place on fire. Mm -hmm. Now, I remember her being more mad. And I have to say that it's like in my memory, I remember her coming back and having that sort of tone of Tyrion. Uh, But she does not really seem to be that upset with him. Yeah. Well, I, I also think that Tyrion his his justification for what he was doing in Meereen while she was gone is almost it's stronger than I remember that being Mm -hmm. you know like I think his idea of like things here were good uh things here were we we were flourishing over the last couple of weeks if you had been here two weeks ago you would have been really thrilled with how things are going um and the reason why we are literally on fire right now is because things were going so well this was the outcome that we didn't account for but my 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 queen that they hate us because they ain't us that's (laughs) really what it comes down to uh we're so good aintus is a a great character from the book that did not make it Mm. into the show unfortunately yes uh says we're a city on the rise (laughs) yeah we're on the we're on the up and up the upswing Uh, uh, you should see our uh, our transit system is really something to behold. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think that he, I mean, it's a it's a decent excuse, I feel like, from Tyrion of like, we're we're do, we're doing well. We're doing well. But they're so mad. They're so mad that we're doing well without slavery because it call it calls their whole existence into question. And so clearly they're going to have to do something about that. Right. Uh, Tyrion says that, you know, basically what we've proved is this great experiment that uh, nobody needs a map. And so they actually agree on that. And so they're going to move forward. And Tyrion wants to know, Daenerys, do you have a plan? And she does. Her plan is uh, we'll crucify the masters. We'll set their fleets on fire. We'll kill every last one of their soldiers and then uh, return their cities to the dirt. That's the plan. She's like Carrie after getting the pig blood poured all over her at the prom. You know, yeah. like she's ready to just like completely eviscerate everybody, John Travolta included. Uh, and Tyrion's kind of like, that's what your dad would have done. Mm. And your dad was a lunatic. I feel like we've established this or at least somebody has talked to you about this before. Uh, this is like one thing where my brother has this really bad reputation for having killed the king, but he was totally right to do it. You do not want to go down the king, uh, the mad king road yeah uh and so she she needs to hear another plan from Tyrion. and apparently uh what we end up seeing uh in the subsequent action scene in Meereen, this must be Tyrion's plan in action so if that's the case i feel like and there's no reason to to, to doubt that that's the case given the way that the show presents it uh i feel like uh i i need to issue a, a little bit of an apology yeah. yeah to Tyrion lannister that i think that he uh he does a good job here in the Meereen situation ultimately in terms Ooh. of how it's handled Right. How he would have handled it if Danny never returned with the dragons and the Dothraki army is a different story. But at least, uh, you know, it's a combination of luck and good strategy that resolves, uh, that unties the Miranese knot, as it were. Right. And they do use some parts of Danny's plan, like burning all of the ships uh, with fire. So so th- they did do get to do some of the things that she wanted to do, but it's uh, not laid out as clearly that Tyrion's plan 
plan was a good one here as it is in things like uh, Blackwater. So uh, we do owe Tyrion a bit of an apology. I think just a just a touch. So fictional character, you have our deepest regrets uh, have been issued and we hope that you can find it in your fictional heart to forgive us. Yes. And the show also does a lot of work here with setting the table for what is going to be coming in the season six finale uh, a reset here with everything going on with Daenerys's father. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, We're getting a little bit more information here from Tyrion that like, you know, he had the wildfire. The wildfire was under the Red Keep. And this is just information that I'm giving you to illustrate this point about who you're becoming and definitely not foreshadowing at all that there is still wildfire under the Red Keep and under the Sept of Baylor. And uh, it will go off. Chekhov's wildfire. Chekhov's wildfire. I mean, I do think that we probably ought to take note of the fact that the rumor is cash is a wildfire hidden under tons of different parts of King's Landing, not just the Sept of Baylor. And as far as we have seen through seven seasons of Game of Thrones, only the Sept of Baylor has been destroyed. There should still be wildfire under these other major King's Landing targets, uh, most importantly, probably the Red Keep. And as we're trying to kind of like forecast where things could wind up for Cersei specifically, I would say, but potentially even Jamie and Cersei, as we're considering like the Valonqar prophecy, which is that the younger sibling will kill Cersei someday. And some people think it's Tyrion. Some people think that it could be Jamie. Uh, if it's Jamie and the wildfire is there in the Red Keep and Cersei finds herself in some sort of position where she needs to, she means to pull the Mad King's plan and burn King's landing down to the ground rather than surrender to Daenerys or whoever uh, could we find ourselves in a position where once again Jamie is killing his sister uh, the Mad Queen in order to prevent King's Landing from burning to the ground will a version of history repeat itself I think these are just things to keep in mind as we try to plot the final season uh, airing in just a few weeks at this point wow okay it's getting real getting very real super real it's getting real so we cut to a scene where we see all of the principals from the marine government with uh danny and Tyrion and missandei and gray worm and they are meeting with a couple of the masters and they are there to discuss the terms of surrender yeah, uh, but who is surrendering to who? This is uh, this is a little bit of a of a subjective question right now. Yeah, well, this is a great line because the show is really presenting it as though because we see this like the window explode and they don't really like, uh, you know, explain what exactly happened. But, you know, a big window explodes and then we see Danny and Tyrion with the masters. It's like what they get captured or what exactly is going on. And Tyrion is the one who mentions that like, oh, look, we're not here to trade insults. We're here to discuss the terms of surrender. And so the masters start talking about all these things they're going to do. I don't know why they just don't kill Daenerys. They're talking about like, oh, you'll you'll walk out of here on your own feet so everybody can see that you're a beggar queen. And uh, Dan- I think they don't want to turn her into a martyr. I think probably they feel like it's more powerful if they uh, if they can dismantle her regime nonviolently, at least towards her. I think they probably feel like that's the, the moral victory and that might be stronger. 
Yeah. And Daenerys, uh, it's a great turn. She says, uh, we obviously didn't communicate this effectively. We're here to discuss your surrender, not mine. Now, was that intentional? Was that Tyrion's like, okay, we'll make them think that, that they're surrendering <laughs> yeah, or yeah. that we're surrendering, but then it will turn it around. And then you tell them, no, no, it's not my, our surrender. It's your surrender. And then the look on their face will be so good. Yeah, and then you'll get on the dragon and then no surrender will play over the speakers and it'll just be a real amazing moment. Um, I think like some version of that makes some sense of like, all right, so we, we tell the masters that we want to talk surrender. They're just going to assume it's our surrender and then they will show up and then we can really dunk on them pretty hard. Yeah, a big part of the plan that went right was that and hopefully they just won't slaughter us as things are going haywire around us right ideally we won't just get immediately killed mm-hmm. that, and hopefully the they'll second just be, we show up <laughs> they'll be so stunned about everything that's going on they won't just uh kill us now danny does seem to be able to exert incredible control over drogon here to have him arrive like right on cue like the batmobile well, they they seem like they are very synced up. And I, I do think that, you know, that's probably a point we brushed past fairly quickly uh, at the end of Blood of My Blood when she's back on the dragon. And that's really symbolically like Daenerys as the dragon queen is really back in action. So Danny and her dragons this is like the high point of their career working towards uh, working to together at this point. Um, you know, she's able to, to fly Drogon and really have that emotional, empathic uh, connection, I think, with the dragons to really steer them the way that she needs to there's a really cool moment also i don't know if you if you caught this on the rewatch uh where she's talking to them and and once things are starting to change in the conversation you can see drogon like flying in the background towards them like very 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 slightly and only if you're really looking for it uh you can see them you can see him past the master's shoulders uh a couple of seconds before things hit up he's just like a speck in the background i thought that was a clever detail and not just is drogon on the same page but we're also going to see at like the exact right moment uh Rhaegal and viserion break out of the the walls that they were uh, in the cell that they were in yeah they must have loosened the chains at that point like somebody had to go down there somebody had a really bad job that day yeah so i wonder if maybe that that was more drogon was like hey come on we're moving yeah maybe in dragon language yeah so yeah how, how do you feel about dragon language you've got no issues Dragon language makes sense to you? I mean, that makes sense to me that the dragons can, you know, communicate with each other. You know, dolphins seem to be able to communicate with each other. <laughs> that, that, that doesn't that doesn't bother me. But, you know, yeah. if there was some sort of a dragon translator and then the <laughs> dragon translator translated dragon to English and their and their dragon speech rhymed, I feel like that, that would be weird. Uh, I'll give that to you. I. I agree that that would be strange. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Universal translator. Um, But Josh, we need to talk about that. You know, we see the sons of the harpy. They are just uh, just constantly just killing all of the slaves like they like to do. And here comes the cavalry. 
Yeah, the cavalry is riding in, and uh, there's there's severed heads aplenty. That's a great shot, too, of uh, the son of the Harvey getting his head sliced off, hurtling towards the camera, and then we're back sailing with Danny and the dragons. Uh, really great editing in this episode, among the many things to praise. Yeah, lots of cool stuff with uh, Drogon is burning a bunch of the ships, but we cut back to now Tyrion and Grey Worm and Missandei and the Masters, and now it's... It's clear that uh, Tyrion and uh, Danny's forces have the upper hand. And so we need to have an execution. One of these three guys needs to die. Yeah, and so very quickly, like the two noblemen sell out the uh, the guy who is like new to the party. He was Tyrion's slaver for a while. Uh, And how he rose to such power remains a little bit of a mystery. Unclear. Unclear. I'm sure clear and we just glossed over the detail, but unimportant, mm. I think, is really the the bigger deal. Yes. Um, but they're like trying to sell him down the river. And as they're bickering, Grey Worm just kills those two guys. Like, OK, thanks. You made the choice for us. Yes. Uh, Grey Worm is like a King Solomon for uh, the Unsullied. Yes, you can. Uh, you, you can't you can't cut the throat and expect to have two throats and walk away. If you cut the throat. That there's just no more throat. Yeah, that's how it works. Now, the, one of those three guys has to die. The one guy that they said, oh, no, no, kill this guy, kill this guy. Then they kill the other two guys who said kill that one guy and they let that one guy live. They show him a mercy and they say, hey, you go back. You tell the masters what you saw here. today. you tell them how they let you live. OK. Yeah. And next next time anyone has a bright idea about coming to Marine and effing things up. Don't forget what happened when the dragon queen returned. Is this enough? Is this going to work? I mean, the masters seem very thick in terms of that they get one idea and they don't come off it. I got to say, I was thinking about this a little bit in terms of I, you know, I have said that, like, I can I can very easily see the scenario of Game of Thrones where Daenerys does not survive uh, the the series. Uh, Ultimately, that maybe her fate is to save Westeros rather than rule it, potentially at the cost of her own life. But should she die in, in the grand scheme of things and, you know, the dragons are gone and Daenerys is gone, like. What's going to stop people from just like coming back to Marine and conquering it? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then really in retrospect, if you like continue that thought exercise, man, the, the Marine storyline just gets even more infuriating. You know, at, at the very least, like the amount of time we have spent here in Slaver's Bay, it feels somewhat worthwhile knowing that Daenerys is able to establish some form of peace here. Uh, but if if she dies and the dragons die and that threat is taken off the board. You just got to assume that the masters will come back, right? Yeah. So uh, I don't think that Daenerys is going to die, though. That's like the that's oddly like that's the most compelling argument to me that Daenerys (laughs) will survive the series because it will make the Marine story so much more annoying. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I'm feeling like Danny's going to make it is is where I'm now putting uh, my final bet. Okay. All right. So we are going to go and check out what's going on in the North. And we're going yes. to see the first meeting between Jon Snow and Ramsey Bolton. Yeah. This is episode, a real song of ice and fire with all the fire out East and all the, the icy, frosty tension in the North. Mm-hmm. And uh, how does this first meeting shake out, Josh? 
Not well, not great. I mean, it's kind of an echo of the negotiation scene in Marine, where uh, like both John and Ramsey like show up to the table, being like, "All right, let's discuss the terms of surrender." Uh, and it's like, who's who's surrendering? Which one of us is supposed? Yeah, to it is similar. It is, it is similar. Like he, he, you give up? No, you give up. You go. Yeah. Uh, no, <laughs> no, you. Use. Stop. Uh, yeah, and and Ramsey is the one at first who's posturing. like, you know, yeah, you know, John shows up. He's got uh, he's got Sansa with him. He's got Davos. He's got Tormund. Uh, Liana Mormon is here, and then the whole Ramsey entourage is here as well. Uh, and so Ramsey takes one look at uh, Sansa and says, "Oh, John Snow, thank you for returning my wife. I'm so happy she's safe." Uh, Why he, he, you? Yeah, I know. He lays it out. He says. Uh, if you if you kneel before me and surrender your army, uh, I will pardon you for deserting the Night's Watch. I'll pardon you for all of these crimes. You don't have the manpower. You don't have the, the army to do this. You don't have to slaughter all of these people. Just surrender. No need for a battle. And Jon Snow says, you're right. No need for a battle. Not all these people don't all have to die. Just one of us. Just one of you and me. Let's just do this mano y mano. Oh, OK. And Ramsey does not love that idea. Not a fan. Mm. No. Uh, Ramsey brings up a great point where he says, like, you know, I hear stories about you, bastard. I hear that you're like the greatest swordsman the world has ever seen. Maybe that's overblown. I'm not really looking to take the chance. My army can definitely beat your army. I'm not sure that I can beat you. Um, and so I think that it's it's less from Ramsey. It's less like there's no chance of me beating you and more like I'm not sure that I could. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a sure I, thing. I feel pretty good that I've got you covered in terms of the army. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so no, uh, we're not going to be doing this. Uh, Lady Mormont has some really good stink face for Ramsey, though. Lady Mormont is awesome at the stink face of just like really showing everybody how much she disapproves of them. She, yeah, she's not a fan. And so uh, Sansa is uh, going to uh, jump in here as uh, Ramsey uh, mentions that, hey, is your brother going to die because you won't surrender? Yeah, and uh, that's that's what it's looking like. And and Sansa is uh, she really wants to to find out about uh, Rickon because uh, Ramsay is tossing him out as a possible threat. And Sansa, as we're going to come to find out, has basically written Rickon off at this point. Yeah. Where she's like, if Ramsay's got Rickon, he's dead. You know, there's very little we're going to be able to do to change that. Right. Uh, Sansa says to Ramsey, uh, you're going to die tomorrow. Lord Bolton, sleep well to me that there's not a lot of evidence that indicates that Sansa believes this. Um, that she believes that Ramsey is going to die the next morning. No, it's probably just like a really cool thing to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because she is very, uh, you know, panicked and worried about the, you know, plan that Jon Snow has. I mean, she seems to have the ace in the hole that the Knights of the Vale are supposed to come. I don't know if she's gotten word back that they are coming. So, um, but I don't think there's a lot that would indicate to her that Ramsey is indeed going to die. No, but it's a really cool thing to say, and especially to like show your abuser that he has no power over you at that point. Like I'm, I'm all, I'm all aboard what Sansa says to Ramsey here, and of course she's ultimately going to be right. She's so that right. Makes things yeah. even better. Yeah, 
She's right. Okay. Yeah. So uh, we're planning out the battle and uh, we're talking a little bit about, uh, hey, John, did you think that uh, that Ramsey was really going to fight you? And uh, John says, no, he just wanted to uh, let everybody see that, uh, you know, he's not even going to fight for his people. I just want people to know how cool I am. Yes. Okay. Uh, but ultimately, this is going to turn into a conversation between john and sansa where sansa that her number one grievance is here i know this guy why aren't you asking my opinion yeah she should be consulted here and again i think um we're gonna get uh, a line about this in this episode in just a couple of minutes here uh it's the thing you don't think about as much with uh the davos and Tormund scene because they talk about some other weird stuff that probably grabs your attention mm. but they are also going to talk about how Jon snow is no king right like they're gonna say Jon snow is not a king we know in an episode from now he's going to be named the king in the north, but right now he's just a dude rallying the realm, uh, or at least rallying the north. Um, and I think in the way that he not only deals with the negotiation with Ramsey, but the way that he is dealing with the battle plans and not consulting Sansa, and certainly how he's just going to run headlong into the fray, uh, not House Frey and not Jessica Frey, um, I think that we do get the sense that this isn't really John's wheelhouse. He's really he's not a great leader. You know, he's inspirational. He's got the you know, he's the the right guy for the right time. But when it comes to the head on his shoulders uh, time and time again, I do think in the past right now at this point in Game of Thrones and even in the future that we have seen Jon Snow, not the best at this kind of thing. No. No. And Sansa, while she too may, may be not the best, uh, she does know Ramsey's. She does. She knows Ramsey. Uh, she has a she has a sense of what Ramsey is capable of, what he's willing to do. And she is a resource to be mined for sure in terms of insight into Ramsey Bolton. Mm-hmm. And uh, she was not consulted. Hey, what do you think? What are his tendencies? What are the types of things that uh, he likes to do? And John does start off in the right place. Like, you know, what? you're right. We should talk to you. Yeah, we should talk to you. It doesn't really matter because he's not going to like hear her out enough to to hear about the uh, to like really hear about the the plan with the veil. Um, but I think that Sansa, what we're going to get from Sansa in this episode, I think the communication issue is a big one between the two of them. But I do think that we're what we're getting from the Sansa storyline in this episode, that she really is the person who pulls in uh, the the saving grace, uh, the the deus ex machina at the end of this battle, uh, is that she's the one who's good at this stuff. You know, John really ought to be leaning on her more. And I think in the in the grand view of Game of Thrones, I think that uh, history will be kind on Sansa Stark in terms of her leadership ability now yes she did she was the hero in terms of getting the knights of the veil but i still am left with the question of uh well you know why not mention to john like hey i know this is a shot in the dark but you know i sent a letter you know if we wait another day like there's a chance that these guys could get here he's not listening to her but you know? she, oh, she could have mentioned it He's shut down the conversation. He said, no, I don't want to hear it. I'm going to do this the way that I'm going to do it. And your opinion doesn't matter, Sansa. Mm. I mean, and that 
it seems like that that would be good information that you would want to let the person pl- who is planning the battle know. Because he does seem uh, he's not like shut up. I don't want to hear anything you have to say. Yeah, it's better for drama this way. Though. It is better. Oh, it's much better for the TV show. <laughs> for the it's TV better, show it's for, better not, for drama for us to not know that this is on the table. Yeah. But she yeah. could have she could have mentioned it. Maybe it wouldn't, maybe, it wouldn't maybe. have killed. Maybe that. I'll allow that. Maybe I'll okay. allow that. All right. I'm not trying to uh, hate on Sansa here. I'm just saying, like, uh, you know, the more communication, the nest of the of the Fansas, we're coming for you. Yeah, we're going to get you're going to wake up to a million tweets tomorrow morning from Fansa Nation. Yeah. Well, you know, we just want to, you know, have have everybody be on the same page. I agree. Okay. All right. Everybody should get along. And Sansa says, whatever you do, just don't don't do what he wants to do. Yeah, he lays the traps. You know, mm-hmm. you don't trap Ramsey Bolton. He lays the traps. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Sansa also, you know, uh, we're not going to get Rick on back. You don't know him that uh, he wants you to make a mistake. And so uh, Rick on's gone, John. Rick has gone, baby. Mm-hmm. Gone. Yeah. Uh, and John's like, hey, I'm not going to let him uh, ever hurt you again. And Sansa says, I think this is a pretty... Uh, important line because i think it sort of summarizes sort of like the worldview of game of thrones of no one can protect me no one can protect anyone so Arya can protect anyone am mm. i following that right <laughs> do i have that right yeah that's a good point uh yeah. i'm not sure if they uh, have incorporated uh the house of uh black and white well i wonder i mean no one can protect me uh, is there going to be some situation in the future where Arya is going to protect Sansa Stark? Hmm. Some sort of big, uh, some sort of big rescue operation or guard duty where she's going to uh, maybe you know really be clutch for Sansa in the future. Yeah, uh, that's interesting. Queen's Guard, Captain Queen- the Queen's Guard, Arya Stark. Mm-hmm. Let it be known. It's known. Okay. We are going to see some other talk amongst the the generals going into the Battle of the Bastards as uh, Davos and Tormund discuss uh, the uh, ill-fated leaders that they followed to this point. Yeah, this is a this is a good scene. I like mm-hmm. I like this scene. Underrated scene in Battle of the Bastards. Yeah, between Davos and Tormund talking about that they both followed uh, kings and it did not work out. But Jon Snow is not a king, luckily. Yeah, and he's not a king. And I I think, you know, it's it's a it's a very compelling line because we're at a point in the creation of Game of Thrones where it's not like a far off thing that Jon Snow is going to be named the king in the north. It's literally the next episode as they are writing this piece of dialogue that Jon Snow is not a king and Davos says no he's not. The very next episode is going to crown Jon Snow as the king in the north. So what is a line like this supposed to tell us in the long view of Game of Thrones? You know, I think that the the very easy uh full-on fantasy tropes, full-cylinders version of Game of Thrones ending would have Jon Snow be the king of Westeros, right? Like, would have Jon Snow be the person who's in charge at the end of the day. It would be like a full Return of the King type of ending. Uh, And I think that Game of Thrones has not been that predictable. And I think that a line like this 
really suggests to me once again that Jon Snow, who we know, has uh, a real claim to the Iron Throne should he and everybody else ever find out about the extent of that claim. And even if they don't, if he and Danny work out, if he and Daenerys are able to really make this thing work romantically, he would have a shot at being her king. And I just feel like Game of Thrones doesn't want us to feel like in the end of this, Jon Snow is going to be in that spot. So Hmm. I think for me, the signs are really pointing to a Jon Snow final death by the end of the show. (sighs) Sad story. I just think that's where it's going to go. Hard to imagine it doesn't go that way. Yeah, Uh, I hear you. I hear you. Uh, They seem to not like the monarchy overall. I feel like that we don't end with uh, with a king, right? I just think Jon Snow is a better character if he's not in charge at the end of the day. I think Jon Snow is a better character if it's kind of openly accepted that he sucks at being a leader and he's better at being a soldier. And if he is like the ultimate soldier for this great cause in this war, that that's his destiny fulfilled, that his life has meaning that way. I think that's a better way to go forward with Jon as a character than to have him be, uh, you know, signing documents and presiding over tournaments that just doesn't feel right for the character okay all right so we have a little bit of discussion of the pre-game rituals for (laughs) Tormund and (laughs) davos and so Tormund, uh he's got what some sour goat's milk yeah he's got a jug of the stuff he's got a jug of sour goat's milk uh that he offers davos that is like really uh highly fermented stuff that i'm sure luke skywalker would be into oh yeah (laughs) but uh davos apparently does not need any help uh lubricating his insides on the eve of a battle he's got a different tradition yes uh that he likes to walk and uh thinks and walks and gets far enough away so nobody can hear him uh having severe gastrointestinal distress (laughs) yeah yeah he says it in a pretty colorful way yeah Uh, he, he really paints a vivid picture to the point that we are going to see a scene of davos walking really far away from the camp later in this episode and in my mind like the whole time i'm just thinking like oh this poor guy his stomach must just be shredded at this point and like the tension is like at any point is he gonna drop trow and what's gonna happen yeah, poor uh poor Davos. Uh Tormund has uh a great line there for uh for for Davos as he's walking away, uh where uh happy shitting was happy uh, shitting. what he says to him. Happy shitting indeed. Okay. It's pretty right. good. So John and Melisandre uh, are gonna have a meetup. John wants to let Melisandre know, hey, if anything happens to me. Don't bring me back. I'm done. No more. No second chances. No third chances. No third chances. Uh, Yeah. He doesn't. He he wants to go back to the nothing if he dies. Yes. And she says, well, you know, it's not really my call. I sort of serve at the pleasure of the Lord of Light. And it's really uh, his call on this. So, you know, I don't know. Uh, You know, he made me bring you back last time. I have no power. Yeah, if he makes me do it again, I'm going to do it. Yeah. It's like, that seems weird that a god would want you to do all of this stuff. Yeah. And he wants to know why. Why did this happen? And she's like, I don't know. I don't know. I didn't ask for this, but this is this is what's happening. Maybe you're you're only needed for this little thing. Mm-hmm. Maybe he brought you here to die again. We just don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
And so, yeah, maybe he brought you here for the, just this one thing. Maybe that's, you know, what he needed you for just to come back for a little bit. Hey, you know, that works. If it's if not it's for just John. For, yeah. Not great. He, he wasn't happy. No, he didn't like it. OK, um, so we are going to go back to Davos one more time. Uh, Davos is uh, going to, as he's walking. He's also going to uh, find uh, an interesting trinket. Yeah. And if he wasn't uh, soiling himself with fear before, he's now soiling himself with rage, I think, as he realizes this trinket he is picking up from the from the ashes. Is the hidden belonged. immunity idol? Yes, he's found it. He cannot be killed at the Battle of the Bastards. It's a Tyler Perry trinket. You play it for one battle. Yes. Oh, it's uh, it's got a time limit on it. Mm, okay. I think it's probably Tyler Perry style. I think that no one can touch Davos. I think he's going to be fine. Okay. All Forever. right. We go back to Marine, and uh, the Greyjoys are here. And we see uh, Daenerys and Tyrion talking with uh, Yara and Theon about and, and and Tyrion does not love the Greyjoys. Not a big fan. And, you know, for the reasons he, he lays out, I think makes you a sense. fan of the Greyjoys. <laughs> what emoji is Theon Greyjoy? Not the eggplant. Mm, <laughs> nope. Not the eggplant. Uh, yeah, he says the last time we saw each other, uh, you were making jokes about my height. Uh, you were making all sorts of jokes. And it seems like things have been going pretty poorly for you since then. So who is laughing now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so there's some tension there between Theon and Tyrion. But I have to say there is a alarming lack of tension between Daenerys and Yara. Yeah, no, uh, Daenerys likes Yara. And I think Yara really likes Daenerys. Right. Like uh, <laughs> this is like almost I feel like that this is the scene is like it's uh, like all flirting. It's like uh, like it's like, hey, we're, we're having like an important meeting right now. Ladies, I like, it. I like it. I think it's good. I think it's great. I think it's uh, it's 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 very fun. I, I enjoyed the, the Yara and Daenerys dynamic quite a bit. I think given how little Game of Thrones there is left, even heading into season seven, you can't be that mad that there isn't much more than this one scene. But this one scene is really, really fun. So they are going to work together uh, that we see Yara talk about uh, Euron's plan. Which uh, that right. he, he's he is on his way over uh, with a marriage proposal and more. Yeah, uh, he's got a couple of things he wants to give to Daenerys. Yes. Uh, and some of them are uh, parts that, uh, that Theon does not have. Correct. Yes. Uh, and so uh, Daenerys not interested. She is uh, uh, not interested in that offer uh, of marriage, which does come with a lot of ships. Right. Yara has a great line where she's like, here's what I would love for you to do. Like, we, we want the Iron Islands back. That would be great. We would like you to help us murder an uncle or two who don't think a woman is fit to rule. Uh, and Daenerys, she likes that. Yeah, she says that's reasonable. That's reasonable. Yeah. 
Okay. Um, but Daenerys has one thing that she wants. She says, okay, here we go. If you want to work with us, this is what we need to do. You need to cut out the reaving, the roving, the raiding, and the raping. The big four. The big four Those, R's. The, they are all very important things to remove. What's from, reaving? Uh, I think it's like probably along the lines of raiding. Why not say raiding? And the the reaving and the raiding is probably uh, probably similar. Mm, yeah, I feel like they could have gone with the three R's. Let me see. Let me see if reaving is any. Uh, let's see, reave, uh, carrying out raids in order to plunder. So that, that yeah, seems so redundant. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know the reeking, uh, reeking. No more reeking. Yeah, no more reeking. No more raiding. No yeah. more roving. Roving seems harmless. Yeah, why can't you rove? Yeah. That's just like going like, you know, you, it's moving essentially, right? I really feel like if we could get it down to the the raiding and the raping, those seem like the big Yeah, no two. more raiding, no more raping would be succinct. Roving are, is, is, you know, basically tourism. Yeah, you know, and that's like going to be a cottage industry at the Iron Islands. I by guess, the end of this thing. you know, the, the, if they're saying they're going to stay in the Iron Islands, I guess, OK, no roving off of your island. Just stay there. Without the, without the proper paperwork, at yeah. least. But, yeah, you know, you get a visa. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but Reeve on your own island. Yeah. OK. Reeve um, and Josh. And so Daenerys uh, and Yara, they they agree to that. Okay, even though Yara says uh, that's that's their way of life. No, not anymore. Okay, I'm just really glad that it seems like the show is going to Yara Yara past Yara having to explain that to the Iron Islanders because you can't imagine that that's an easy sell. Yeah, for here's the Iron my Islanders. platform. Uh, yeah, all the things that we are known for, we are going to stop doing. Hmm. Please, just like, don't ever show us having like to to like. I, I don't ever want to have to see a scene where she's really pitching the Iron Islanders on the terms of this thing. Uh, with only six episodes left of Game of Thrones, it feels like very mercifully we're not going to have to experience that. I mean, I wouldn't be mad at seeing the conversation play out of that we can't rove. Yeah, I would be mad at that. Mm-hmm. Let, you, like, us, you like to travel. I love traveling. I'm a big rover. Mm-hmm. I love to rove. Yeah. Okay. Rove Howard. Rove Howard. <laughs> it doesn't have quite the same ring nice. to it. Round rover. Yes. Kind of kind of red rover-ish. All right. Let's get back to the battlefield and we get to see this whole big setup that the... Uh, Boltons have brought out all of their uh, top flayed men for the occasion. This is great. Oh, man. Onto this, the battlefield. This, this whole sequence is, is really terrific. I think we're about to like veer into the territory where we're doing a lot of like uh, describing what's going on. I don't think that there is a crazy amount of analysis to, to happen here in, yeah. the, in the big Battle of the Bastards sequence. But let's just say right off the top. Ah, oh, it's so good. This is so good. This is it's just it's really excellently done. Um, I, I I don't know. We loved Blackwater when we got to Blackwater back in season two. And I think especially because uh, season two was so painful to watch otherwise. But like I'm feeling like a very similar sensation watching Battle of the Bastards through what has otherwise been a little bit of a sloggy season six. Yeah. And this takes place during the daytime. So you can see a yes. lot more of what's going on. And it's uh, really well done. There's a couple of moments that are just like one long shot. And uh, we'll try 
tr- do our best to describe uh, what's what's going on as we uh, veer into all of this. But somebody who's not so good at veering is Rickon Stark. <laughs> he should be roving and uh, he should be a better rover than he, he is. is neither a good rover nor a good veerer. No, no. Yeah, he's being asked to to pretty much literally play Red Rover right now uh, is is what Ramsey says. Ramsey brings out Rickon and he says, do you like games, little man? Let's play a game. It's called Red Rover. Uh, and he's telling Rickon, you got to go and run to your brother. The sooner you make it to him, the sooner you get to see him. That's it. But you do have to run. Uh, and there's going to be a bow and arrow involved and it's going to involve Ramsey shooting arrows at Rickon as Rickon is running to Jon Snow. And this is the trap that Sansa had warned about, that Ramsey doesn't fall into traps, he sets traps. And Jon Snow now finds himself in the position of falling into a trap. Yes. And, you know, very so frustrating to watch Rickon run in the straightest line possible where you you wonder, you know, had he considered diagonal running, maybe could he have avoided this fate? Yeah, well, this, you know, this was a big argument around Prometheus, the, the Ridley Scott film. There's a character who uh, is killed towards the end of the movie that if that person had just maybe zigzagged a little more uh they they may have survived uh or even just like run to the hard left actually in that case probably hard Mm -hmm. left or hard right really would have worked instead of straight was really a bad way to go um but i mean like if if what we got like if we ever get a a scene like this in any kind of show in the future where there is like a a moment where clearly the character should be zigging and zagging instead of running in a straight line and we do get that where the character does indeed zig and zag and makes it out of the situation alive i just wonder how it's gonna look it's just gonna look very it's gonna be comical almost mm-hmm. yeah right, it would well, look very funny to see him zigging zagging across the field i don't think it would have looked right it would just looked very strange okay well we're not gonna get that here um also i wonder why ramsey didn't shoot a second arrow and hit john snow uh, right after because john snow really is uh, you know uh stops down uh once rickon gets hit because Ramsey is a tormentor, that would be too easy. Too easy. I think. I think the point that they're at now with the they're in full blown battle mode at this point. That I think that Ramsey Ramsey wants to wants John to snuff uh, to suffer a little bit more than he does. One of the interesting things about the battle sequence here in the Battle of the Bastards, you know, John is set up as sort of like the champion of his side. And, you know, I, I think is sort of like readies himself to be sort of like at the center of a lot of the action. But the for the most part, like the the the, the battle sort of like uh, is goes off in different directions that don't necessarily include Jon Snow. Yeah, well, I think that that's good choreography. I think it's good, um, you know, a strong economic use of the of the episode runtime. And I, I think if the if the whole episode was just following only Jon Snow through this battle, I think it would have been a little bit boring. But I think you know, when the camera is just on Jon and like we get like what would, you know, is is almost like the like the saving Private Ryan-esque scenes where it's really glued to him and showing you the horrors of war. It's really amazing. It's just the the, the camera work in this episode is just really ridiculous. But there's a couple of moments where right here where, you know, OK, here comes Ramsey's forces on horseback. And for the most part, they just mostly ride past Jon Snow like the, that they don't make a real concerted effort to take out Jon Snow. 
Right. Well, there's other business to attend to, like the fact that there are, uh, you know, the the hundreds, if not a few thousand people on John's side that are now charging for it, I think is a little more of a priority than just taking out Jon Snow. Mm -hmm. And then uh, we also see later on, like Jon Snow, just sort of like, uh, you know, uh, smushed up against like a a pile of bodies. And so it it is not a glamorous uh, series of events for Jon Snow. No, Game of Thrones is a uh, high fantasy series in which uh, high fantasy battle and action occurs sometimes between dragons and white walkers, oftentimes between men. Uh, and we don't always get the big battle scenes, but when we do uh, and and the show is at its best, often what we're getting is this idea that war these these scenes that you're really excited to see are going to illustrate just how freaking awful this stuff is in reality this isn't glorious work this is terrible dirty frightening dirty you know (laughs) sandy you know it's just it's not good uh and i think that when when the show is at its best it's really illustrating um the the messages of pacifism that i think george r R. martin has layered into this universe that ultimately that's what he's appealing for uh through this really violent world um and, and really illustrating just how how deplorable violence is uh but i i think that this this sequence here uh, probably highlights it better than anything we've ever gotten on Game of Thrones to to date. Uh, there there are rumors of the final season having uh, a, a sequence that's going to make this one look like child's play, which I can hardly even like conjure an image of. Not 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 with Chucky. Okay, no. good. No, <laughs> that, uh, I would not be you know uh, happy to see anything. Oh, how is how have we not gotten Brad Dorif in uh, the Game of Thrones universe? You know, I feel like he's a that's a no know. brainer. Um, but yeah. Anyway. OK. All right. So f- from there, uh, what are some of these uh, these highlights uh, coming across? If you were going to describe the Battle of the Bastards, Josh, there's, you know, there's Jon Snow, who's, you know, the the, the whole like the, the collision of horses is one of the most amazing shots. I think uh, the horses collide. Jon Snow is going through. He's fighting everything. There's the great scene of, of even before that of him with the sword out and just facing off against the army of Bolton forces before everybody collides. Then and there's him like in the trenches basically and uh, again it really just feels uh it, it feels like a world war ii story almost for a second there uh when he's like going around and then he like tries to go to this one guy and he's trying to get him to like go back and report to somewhere back further down the line and that guy is just like shot in the head with an arrow right away it's just intense it's crazy mm-hmm uh, we see also then uh, like the uh, top guy for the phrase. Uh, does that guy have a name? Oh, the the Umber. Oh, is that is that who that is? I believe that's right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that he small John. Yeah, that he ends up in some uh, big battle sequences with Tormund. Yeah, he gets like his throat bitten out or something or his ear bitten off. Either way, it's like whatever it is, like that's the lights out move at one point. There's like the phalanx of Bolton men with their shields and their spears and they surround everybody. Uh, And Jon Snow is like in the pile of bodies at one point. He's like birthed out of the pile of bodies. Yikes. that's very, you know, evocative. Of course, we know that there's going to be uh, a, a Jon Snow birth scene one episode later. Uh, so here we are. We're seeing him reborn in the in the blood of the battle in this moment. Um, 
and it's all looking like it's it's lights out for uh, the Stark forces. Uh, luckily, we are going to see some reinforcements coming to bear. Yes, uh, eventually we're going to see when things look at their absolute uh, worst, the absolute nadir of the battle for uh, John's forces, where even one one the giant has uh, taken a lot of damage. Wow! Yeah. Oh my God! Talk about a thousand lives. One uh, one the giant really is able to to weather some horrible stuff. Yes, uh, we see that a shot of the uh, Knights of the Vale coming across. Yeah. Uh, and our boy, Jan Royce. He's here. He's here. He's, it's real. It's happening. Mm-hmm. Jan. Jan. <laughs> it's real. <laughs> that one was for you, Fitzy. I feel like you probably enjoyed it. Uh, okay. Yeah. But the Knights of the Vale, they show up and uh, that's the real turning of the tide of the of the Battle of the Bastards. And Sansa is like there with Littlefinger. And you feel like she's having probably like a great I told you she should have just listened to me. Like probably having a moment of feeling really good about this decision to bring in the Knights of the Vale. Okay. All right. Uh, so John is going to spot Ramsey. Ramsey will retreat back to Winterfell and they will lock the gates and be nice and safe in there. Yeah, uh, John and Tormund and one one are going to be running on foot to Winterfell. That always had like a, a real feel of speaking of Lord of the Rings. Like it's like very Aragorn and Gimli and Legolas running around for uh, for days and days. Like it just kind of looks like it fits alongside that. But we're going to follow Ramsey back to Winterfell and he's still going to feel like we're good. We're fine. We got this. We've got Winterfell. Uh, they can't they can't seize us like we're going to be OK here. We just got to wait them out. Uh, and uh, little does Ramsey know that uh, Jon Snow has a Hulk uh, and that Hulk is one one the giant and one one the giant is going to be able to burst open the doors of Winterfell at the expense of his own life and at the expense of much damage before losing his own life. A great moment, though. For one one, the giant. He gets like shot in the hand with an arrow at one point. He just rips it out. He just like he doesn't even rip the arrow out. He like moves his hand up the arrow and like splits his own Ah. hand like down the middle. It's like, oh God. That looks so painful. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Not good. Not great. Not good. And so uh one one the giant, pour one out. Or one out for one one the giant who uh, who gets shot in the eye by Ramsey to finally take him out. He's like Will Ferrell's character in Austin Powers, though. Like it's like you think he's dead, and then like it just like takes so much damage to actually kill the guy. I'm just shot <laughs> with a bunch of arrows. <laughs> you shot me. Mm-hmm. You shot me right in the eye. Yeah. All right. So Ramsey is now confronted with Jon Snow. Says, "You know what? That battle, the, or that that the offer you made for solo combat. Let's do that now. Let's do that. Let's he do that. You should have just good. shot him with an arrow." Yeah, at this point, maybe it's like we don't do the torturing thing with Jon Snow. Like maybe at this point, you kill Jon Snow instead of uh, maybe even instead of one one. One one looks pretty rough. You probably have time to load another arrow and still shoot him in the eye. Well. I wonder maybe if Ramsey would have then said if he could have gotten Jon Snow to agree to sort of like the one on one battle, then shoots him with the arrow. Then would everybody have to stand down and said, ah, we agreed to one on one. I just shot him with an arrow. So, all right. uh, On your merry little way, everybody. Yeah. Well, you just uh, lost the war. 
He lost the war. Uh, it's it's one on one is what we get anyway. Instead of one one on one, we get John versus Ramsey, and this this is a cool little fight. You know, it really Ramsey's no match for Jon Snow once John reaches him. But the whole like grabbing an arrow and shooting it at John and John blocking it with the shield and just like keep, you know, he keeps pushing towards him. It's really tense. It's really, really cool. Very tense. And ultimately that once John gets there, it's over. Yeah, it lights out. He's just able to really put Ramsey in his place. Ramsey's very good at torturing people and just being absolutely horrible and despicable. Uh, but when it comes to the fisticuffs for his fist to snuff, he is not able to to take on Jon Snow. Right. And so John is just beating him to a pulp and John pulls up. Do, do we know? Is it just that John feels like, oh, I, I bet my sister would like to really get the death blow on him? Yeah, it's like I bet Sansa really wants to literally feed Ramsey to dogs. Mm hmm. You think that's what it was? Should probably let her do that. No, I think that it's probably at this point where he's just like, "My mercy, uh, who's greater than my wrath?" Yeah, I think so. I think so. I think so. He wants Mm -hmm. to. He wants to lock Ramsey up as a sign of we are better than them. (laughs) Yeah, but but then Sansa is able to just kill him. So it's it's not like a you know Rick and Negan thing where it's like, hey, we'll put him in our jail because we don't do what they do. If anything, right. they let, let's give him a more torturous death. Yeah, well, he doesn't have any control over Sansa. No, no one can uh, no one can tell Sansa what to do. So Arya can tell Sansa what to do. Yeah, Arya has power over Sansa. OK. All yeah. right. So we cut to Ramsey is uh, tied up on the chair. Who did who did that? Just like a bunch of the uh, the, the wildlings did that. I've, yeah, I have I've questions about all of that. Like who tied up Ramsey and uh, <laughs> to, to quote the Baja men who let the dogs out? Like, mm-hmm. how did how did that happen? How did how did who who like safely was willing who? to go into who? the dog who? pit? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, who did that? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe there's like a like some sort of like a garage remote control where you can open the dog cage from outside of the kennel. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Hmm. It's a good point. Yeah. Cuz Sansa is safe. She's like behind like a gate, right? Has anyone ever scored the scene of Ramsey getting eaten by dogs to Baja men's who let the dogs out? Like, has that been I done mean, on the Internet yet? If Shut Up Tim didn't <laughs> do it already, uh, then I probably nobody has. <laughs> yeah. But they have their scene together and it's the, the grand Ramsey finale where even he knows that this is it. This is it. Our time together is about to come to an end. Yes. So he says to Sansa, the line, you know, you can't kill me. I'm a part of you now. A lot of speculation in the moment is Sansa pregnant with Ramsey's child. There's been absolutely nothing about that since. And we've had a full season of the show since this moment. So I'm I'm willing to to give that take zero earbuds at this point. Uh, I feel like that. Uh, didn't she say something in an interview that uh, also uh, uh, Sophie Turner uh, that I think uh, she gave it the thumbs down completely? Like, yeah, like, that's, shot that's it down. not happening. Yeah. That's not happening. That's not happening. Uh, and I think it's more like uh, our experience, the, the pain I inflicted upon you. You're you're an animal now. Now you're going to be you're going to be different than you were before. Yes. Uh, 
And and that's what Ramsey is trying to to get a, across is like the impact of his abuse is going to be uh, washed upon Sansa forever. And Sansa is going to have a very different opinion where she's going to say, no, no, your words will disappear. Your house will disappear. Your name will disappear. All memory of you will disappear. Um, and I think through the, the next season of the show, Sansa's really not seeming to give Ramsey Bolton much mind anymore. So, uh, you know, good for Sansa. She really is able to just like wipe this scumbag off the earth. Would it have been better if Ramsey said to Sansa that you can do whatever you want, but I will be living in your head rent free for eternity? <laughs> I guess that would have been OK. Yeah. OK. Would been All right. The remake. We'll get it yeah. right. All right. And so the dog just comes over, starts just like uh, licking, licking and then going right to a right to a real a vicious bite. I feel like that that um, I feel like that the dog either comes out biting or gets to like aggressively, uh, you know, uh, feels like that goes from it's like uh, that Ramsey is like, uh, you know, how many licks does it take to get to the center of Ramsey's head? Right. One, two, three chomp. Right. Right. I now hearing that, like I would have loved to have seen owls eat Ramsey mm. <laughs> for him yeah. to be eaten by owls. Maybe, maybe that'll be in uh, season eight. We'll see somebody get eaten by owls. Oh man, that'd be great. I, I think that Ramsey is, uh, you know, the dogs have known only Ramsey. Ramsey's their master. And so there's like some reticence on the part of the dog because it's like, Oh, it's my master. I don't want to eat him. That being said, I'm starving. Mm-hmm. And and Ramsey, my master right now, he looks like a snack. Yeah. Although was he Miranda was sort of like the dog master, right? Yeah. Uh, I think her father was like keeper of the kennels or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, Sansa does not even look back. Too gross. Yeah. It's a total cool guys don't look at explosions moment. And Sansa just like walks away and there's all of like the, the vicious explosive violence in the background of Ramsey just screaming. And Sansa has a little smile. And that's the end of the Battle of the Bastards. And it's a, a hell of an episode. Really, really great. Mm-hmm. OK, there you go. Truly one of the best. One of the best. One of the all time greats. Yeah. Nailed it. Excellent episode. Excellent episode. Yeah. All right. So, Josh, we've only got one hour or one hour plus of Game of Thrones left to talk about here in season six. Wow. Oh, I can't wait. I'm really excited for the finale. Uh, the, the winds of winter, the only one we've got so far uh, is the season six finale coming up. It's going to begin with the glorious light of the seven sequence. Uh, I actually watched it the other day. The episode after I was so hyped on Battle of the Bastards that I had to keep going uh, right away. And I and I watched the winds of winter and spoiler alert. That's a, That's a really great episode of the show as well. So mm-hmm. season six really does end uh, on on quite the high note. Yeah. And it doesn't matter how you get there. I think we remember, you know, how how it wraps up more so than the than the journey. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Uh, There's some stuff in this season that it's kind of just like, oh, I don't know. Yeah. But uh, the the high points really are are pretty terrific. Right. Uh, Okay, Josh, such fun to uh, be uh, to be uh, back with you to talk about some more Game of Thrones. Oh, it's been terrific. What a great what a great day we just had. Yeah, lots of fun. We had a really good time. We talked about the Baja men. Yeah. That was a surprise. (laughs) Who knew? Who knew? Yeah. All right. 
Great work, Josh Wiggler. You can follow all of Josh's outstanding work for THR at Round Howard. Josh, uh, that, uh, since uh, we've uh, recorded uh, the podcast, I feel like that you have had uh, a lot of uh, fun Game of Thrones pieces that you've posted. Yeah, we've been doing this new series on The Hollywood Reporter uh, called Final Path, where I am I am making my final predictions for the main characters of Game of Thrones before the final season is upon us. We now have an official premiere date for the final season of Game of Thrones. Off the top of my head, I believe that is April 14th, maybe 15th. Uh, let me just do the, the quick search on that. It's the 14th. April 14th is when Game of Thrones is premiering its final season. Uh, and in the run up to that, once a week, pr- final predictions for, for the characters of Game of Thrones. Uh, I have already done Jon Snow, Cer- uh, Jon Snow, Daenerys, Tyrion. Those are already up. Uh, Cersei Lannister, she's on deck. She's coming next. This has been a really fun series to do, uh, where there's a lot of retrospectives on some of the great moments for these characters over the course of Game of Thrones so far and also these final projections for where they may wind up. I'm looking forward to being wildly wrong with these predictions, but if you want to get my final on-paper predictions, if you want to know what those are for these characters, follow THR.com slash Game of Thrones is a great way to check all that stuff out. All right, great stuff. We'll be back and next time, don't miss any of our Star Trek Discovery recaps right now on Post Show Recaps as well. Take care, everybody. Have a good one. Bye. Special thanks to our friends over at True Car for sponsoring this episode of Post Show Recaps. Every car comes with its share of stories that ding in your bumper when you nervously picked up your first date, that luxury package you got after that big promotion, or the mileage you save by riding your bike all summer long. While you can't put a price tag on your stories now with True Car, you can at least find out what your car is worth when it's time to sell it or trade it in. Just go to True Car and simply enter your license plate number and watch how your car's details pop up. Then answer a few questions. Navigation and moonroof. Watch as they bump up your car's value high mileage you already knew it was going to cost you but now you know how much it's going to ding your wallet so you can plan ahead and once you're finished you'll get a true cash offer sent in minutes which you could take to a local certified dealer to cash out or to trade in so when you're ready to experience a better way to sell or trade in your car check out true car today true cash offer not available in all areas